My name is Scott Phillips. I am blessed to pastor the group of people that call Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church their church home. If you need a church home, I invite you to come and worship with us. You might find a place to belong, to be loved, to be encouraged, to grow in your faith, and to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church is on the corner of Highway 18 and Spring Ridge Road, uh, about a mile from Clinton, about three miles from Raymond, four or five miles from Byron, a couple of miles from Jackson, in the crossroads of Hines County, Western Hines County. Our Sunday morning service uh, begins at 9.30 with prayer, 10 o'clock Sunday school for children and adults, worship at 10.45, and our midweek service is on Wednesday nights. Yes, have a great, great week, and uh, if you were blessed by this, I encourage you, share it, comment, tell us where you're watching this from, and help us spread the word. That's our motivation. We want to be a blessing, and we hope it was a blessing to you today. God bless the lesson where we are talking about Jesus and specifically today we are going to talk about Jesus and his expectation of you according to his word. Our responsibility to hit the teachings of Jesus uh, that we find in scripture. You know, um, our intent is to provide an overview of the scripture uh, to the end that it would give you a context while you read your Bible to understand the overarching view of the biblical narrative. So while you're reading, you can kind of know kind of the bookends of what's going on. Also, it would uh, motivate you, inspire you to actually open up your Bible regularly, daily, just to know more about Scripture. Because Scripture and its uh, truth is intricately connected to our uh, access, our privilege, our blessing that comes directly from God. No doubt God speaks to people, He leads people, He protects people that are ignorant of the scripture uh, because uh, we all start out ignorant, unaware, but the Lord does not uh, intend or desire that we would stay ignorant. Uh, the scripture says that at one time God winked at ignorance, but now commandeth all men to repent. So ignorance only is a, an excuse for so long. At some point we must uh, take responsibility for our knowledge and one of the ways we do that is to make ourselves uh, a student of the word to to addict ourselves to the study of the word of God you can build a habit you can build an addiction to anything uh, we could obviously point out to, to drugs or or alcohol or cigarettes as addictions, but we have the ability to addict ourselves to all kinds of things. People addict themselves to watching birds or or uh, looking at flowers or uh, going to car show. I mean, literally, you can develop in yourself an appetite for all manner of things. Sports, 
you know, just name it. And what I'm saying is if you want to, you can cause yourself to have a hunger, a desire to know more, to understand more, to have a greater vision of Scripture. That's our intent. That's right. Uh, I have no truth save the truth that is in the Scripture. I give little value outside of historical context to councils, creeds, confessions, and what some people call historical Christianity that often has veered from Scripture and in instances in direct opposition to Scripture. And oftentimes the value is only in those who have chosen to put value in those things. Oftentimes when I hear people speak of historical Christianity, you must be aware of the fact that is not not all-inclusive for anyone. They have their particular preferences, and they reject much of historical Christianity, which a lot of that is wrapped up in Catholicism. And most of your evangelical Christians recognize the errors and the excesses that were found in much of historical Christianity. So what can you believe? What can you trust? The scripture. Far above the voices and the opinions and uh, the enunciations of religious people that comes hundreds and even thousands of years after Jesus Christ and his apostles. I'm going to go to the source. The Bible says the church is built upon the, uh, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The scripture Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And so I believe if a person's going to understand truth as God intended, it's going to be rooted in this. And you may look outside of this and appreciate the opinions of others, but the challenge is so oftentimes people book in the scripture with other books, other opinions. And so, so often what happens is they read the Bible through the other books and the opinions uh, without really understanding the simplicity that is in the Word of God given to us by Jesus Christ, His apostles, and even the Old Testament prophets. So as I have said, let God be true and every man a liar. We live in a day, and it's been true for a long time, that people uh, say they believe in Jesus, but they are ignorant, unaware, or have been taught to discount and disbelieve the words of Jesus and his hand-chosen apostles. And I believe everyone should reject that view of Christianity. Jesus is the truth, and the truth has been recorded for us by those God has chosen. Yes, so it is with that intent we talk about the Scripture. So uh, today, I would like to, uh, I want to I start out by reading a few verses of Jesus saying, John chapter 7 and verse 38, Jesus says, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So uh, the key is the catalyst for a supernatural overflow of the Spirit is faith in Jesus as the scripture hath said, faith in Jesus based upon the proclamations, the explanations, 
and the uh, the the light the Word of God gives us about Jesus. Uh, there are all kinds of Jesuses. Uh, the, the Bible talks about other Christ, false Christ, uh, other uh, Jesuses, uh, and and that's the challenge. You know, there are some that believe that Jesus is an angel. Some believe Jesus is simply a a spirit and not flesh and blood. Some people believe that that Jesus was just a man. I actually read something the other day. Someone was saying that they don't they don't worship Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of insanity that people proclaim about Jesus, and it's it's not rooted in Scripture. It's rooted in all kinds of uh, visions and dreams and and uh, ideas and opinions and uh, all th- kinds of things that didn't root in Scripture. And Jesus said, "He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water." And the reason why a lot of people that believe in Jesus don't have an overflowing uh, spiritual life is because the faith they have is not rooted in Scripture. So if you find yourself defined by that, I believe in Jesus, but you have an empty, frustrated, uh, dead life of faith, it could be that what you believe about Jesus is an error or you are just ignorant of what Jesus taught and what his word says given to us through his apostles, those who he uh, foreordained and those particular writings that God, through his providence, caused to be a part of the Bible uh, that we uh, we embrace, that we love. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So f- when I say faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus is more than a mental idea. It's a soul obsession. Uh, it, it, that propels us to live a life of obedience. I'm going to say that again. Faith in Jesus is more than a mental idea. It is a soul obsession that empowers us, that motivates us to walk in obedient faith of what the Bible says. So if I think with that in mind, I, you know, I have heard people, I've heard pastors and preachers Uh, talk about how this scripture bothers them. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So there's a lot of people that say, Lord, they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if you will, but they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because because they don't do the will of the Father. So the only way that you get into heaven is to to recognize Jesus as Lord and you do the will of God. That's the only way you get into heaven. That's what the scripture says, not what I say. You may not have ever heard that before. I wonder why. Not everyone that saith unto me, this is Jesus, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You want to go to heaven? You need to recognize Jesus as Lord, but you also must have 
an understanding. You must do the will of God. Oh, so so let's keep reading verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Jesus says, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So here are people that have a profession of faith, that have done things in the name of Jesus. But Jesus, when they come, will not recognize them because they were workers of iniquity. So here's the context. Jesus says, it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord, you must do the will of your Father. Jesus said, I want to be sure you put this in your mind, you got to believe on Jesus as the Scripture says. And Jesus said in the Word of God that many will come and say, Lord, we've prophesied, we've cast out devils, we've done many wonderful works, and he'll profess unto them, I never knew you, I don't recognize you, who are you? Because their deeds did not match their profession. So keep reading. Uh, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. I want you to recognize the... My light went out. It's what happens to a lot of people. <laughs> the light goes out. Jesus is... He, he's, he's, he's narrowing down... An understanding. He says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And then the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. Great was the fall of it. So Jesus gives us a paradox, a paradigm, a, a compare and contrast here at the end of his teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. He goes through and tells you how to live. You know, don't, uh, if someone curses you, bless them. If someone does you wrong, pray for them. If someone smites you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone asks you to do something, uh, go one mile, go the second mile. If somebody takes you to court and sues you for your coat, give them your cloak also. Jesus goes through and basically teaches you can't live and act and talk and, and treat other people the way you would naturally. You must live at a higher level, and the higher level is a humble submission and obedience to, the, to a higher law. Pray for them. Bless them. Help them. Right? That's what Jesus teaches. And Jesus gets down to the end of his teaching and says... Many are going to come to, to, to me and say, Lord, Lord, 
and they're not going to gain access. Why? Because they did not do the will of God. What's the will of God? Jesus says, uh, those that know my word, hear my word, and do it are wise. They will survive the storms and their house will stand because their life, their house was built upon a rock. What's the rock? Christ. Specifically, the molecular uh, uh, DNA of the rock is found in the Word. <laughs> the Word is the rock. The rock is Jesus. And if you want to get real down nitty-gritty into the DNA of your faith, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Because what you do has the power to cause you to stand when the things you say will leave you in the sand. Jesus said, there will be many come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. And Jesus will say, who are you? <laughs> I don't know you. Why? Because of their iniquity. What is iniquity? Knowing the word of God and for whatever reason, not doing the word of God. Have you ever heard that before? You won't gain the kingdom of God simply because you have a profession of faith. The only way you get to the kingdom of God is there is a profession of faith that is followed by a, a uh, doing the will of God. How do we know the will of God? What the word of God says. The word of God is the rock. As I said at the very beginning of this video, the scripture says that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. That's the foundation or the rock. And so how significant is the foundation? John in the book of Revelation sees the heaven is built upon 12 foundations and the name of the apostles is etched in those precious stones that is the foundation. You'll notice it does not say John Calvin, does not say John Wesley, does not say Martin Luther, does not say uh, uh, any of the popes. It doesn't say uh, Charles Taze Russell. It doesn't say uh, Scott Phillips. Name your pastor, name your parent, name your grandparent, name yourself. It's not in there. So how do we know how to be sure that our house will stand. You must hear the word of God, be aware of the word of God, and do the word of God. Otherwise, your house will fall and you will not gain admittance to heaven based on what Jesus said. Jesus said it. Now, now here's the thing. This, this is probably one of the most, in as a pastor, as a lover of Jesus Christ, one of the things that breaks my heart, I have heard it said in, in my ears, I have heard Christians say that what Jesus said doesn't apply to Christians today. I'm, I'm not pulling your leg. And, and the truth of it is, is there are people that say things that are in direct contradiction to what Jesus said. There are people that say that we're saved by faith alone. 
When Jesus said, it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord, you must do the will of God with your faith to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, there will be many people that have a profession of faith. Lord, Lord, they, they even have a, a life that they, 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 they cast out devils. They prophesied. They did great things in Jesus. But Jesus didn't recognize them because they were workers of iniquity. What is iniquity? Doing what comes natural. Doing all the things Jesus taught differently in Matthew 5 through 7. But the, the bulk of evangelical Christianity believes they've been taught you're saved by faith alone. When that is not what the Bible teaches and that doctrine is in, in the direct contradiction to what Jesus said. It takes more than faith. Yes, faith is the foundation of anything. The, the scripture says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. you got to have faith. It is, it's the doorway into the kingdom of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith. Any man cometh to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so that's the breakdown. That's the lie that says all you got to do is say, Lord, Lord, and you're good. And Jesus said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There will be many that had a knowledge of Jesus, that knew what Jesus said, but they have been lied to, to say all they had to do is believe. When Jesus said, you got to do more than believe. Just how, how could people believe that all it takes is faith when Jesus said it takes more than faith? There, there was a controversy. This controversy was in the scripture as well. You know, I was having a conversation with a, a young Bible school student. And uh, he was washing my windows. I was a pastor, and uh, we had some big windows in the front of the church, and he was washing the windows. And uh, so I was talking to him. He said, well, I'm writing a paper. I said, oh, what, what are you writing the paper about? And he said, I'm writing a paper on salvation by faith alone. And I said to him, oh, I said, I have a challenge for you. In fact, I'm going to make a statement that's going to be quite provocative. I said, you cannot find one scripture in the Bible that has those two words together in a scripture, faith alone. And he kind of stopped washing windows. What do you mean? I'm saying that faith alone is a false doctrine because it's not in the scripture. In fact, you can't find one scripture where the word faith and alone are together. And he, this is a Bible school student. He's been studying scripture. And I have caused him to stop washing the windows. I said, well, wait a minute. Let me check this. So I pull out my phone. And I pull up my Bible app. And I uh, type in the words, faith alone. And I hit the search button. And I look at it. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. There is one scripture that does say that does have the word faith and alone in it. I was wrong. There is one scripture. 
But the context of that one scripture affirms what I'm telling you. Let's see if we can. I'll put it in there. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And that, my friends, if we were not brainwashed and uh, those that we trust have been brainwashed to uh, echo errors of past generations, historical Christianity that have taught people from Martin Luther to today in seminaries, Bible school students, professors, doctorates, academians, and theology will with great fervor say, we're saved by faith alone. When the scripture says, faith without works is dead, being alone. So how do we get to this point where people of great love for Jesus, people of great study of his scripture, will say things that are in direct contradiction to scripture? How did this happen? Tradition. 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 Yeah. Tradition. Tradition. It's from the fiddler on the roof. Uh, that may be a little dated for you. Tradition. Tradition is hallowed above the scripture. Yes. I was in a discussion just this past week, and we were reading Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, Philip in Samaria, Philip not Philip. Uh, Philip is in the wilderness and he meets the Ethiopian eunuch and they read about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. The Ethiopian eunuch recognizes, hey, this is Jesus. And I believe, based on the context, he understood, I need to be baptized. And so they, they, they're they in the wilderness. There's water. Was it a miracle water? Was it God created water? Or was it an oasis? The Bible says they went down into the water. They came up out of the water. Someone had commentary in their scripture from John Wesley that said, this does not mean they were immersed. <laughs> Why would he say that? Because the tradition, he was coming from an Anglican or an Episcopal, I'm sorry, Episcopal, well, it is Anglican, an Anglican, uh, which is essentially the Catholic Church in England uh, with, without Rome, uh, they basically kept most of Catholicism in place except the Pope. And uh, uh, Wesley was an Anglican priest, and he did a lot of great things. I appreciate so much of what he believes. I agree with John Wesley on many things, but he's wrong in this. Why is he wrong? Because in the commentary of the Scripture, he says that what you just read doesn't mean what you just read. And that's my problem with study Bibles. There's oftentimes people will be reading their Bible and they'll read something and the commentary will say, well, what you just read doesn't really mean what you what, what it said. And and I've, I, I found one, I found one commentary. Uh, the, the words of scripture were in black and the commentator's commentary was in red letter. And I read where the scripture says something and like, like this much scripture, and then there was this much commentary where the commentator is saying, well, what the scripture says isn't really what it means. And that's the challenge. A lot of people have 
read the scripture and they've been told by their pastors and their bishops and, and their parents, well, the scripture doesn't really mean that. Or Jesus and what he said isn't relevant for today. Or the apostles, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, just, just all you can, I, I've heard people say, well, only thing you can do is just believe a part of what Paul wrote. Or only read what believe what Paul wrote. Paul was on what Paul wrote was 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 just just for the Gentiles, and what Peter and everybody else wrote was just for the Jews. It's crazy because Paul preached the same message, practiced the same uh, methods of salvation. He preached the same message of Peter, <laughs> James, and John. He preached the same things. But but we've reached a point that people's religious tradition is not compatible with the biblical text. So they do all types of mental contortions so that a person reads the Bible and then they're taught by people that should be training them and helping them have faith in the Word of God. They are being taught, well, you don't believe that scripture, but this scripture is great. For instance, and I'm about done, uh, my goal today was 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm a little over. John 3 is one of my favorite chapters. In fact, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible is John 3:16, and I love it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Tim Tebow put it on on the black strips underneath his eyes. It's awesome. You read, watch the video. I think he threw for 316 yards, and it was it was awesome, right? I believe John 3:16. It is a wonderful truth, but John 3:16 is not more true than John 3:17 or John 3:14, John 3:15. It's not more true than John 3 and 5 or John 3:3 or John 3:7. All of John is true. But some people's theology is so narrow, all they can believe is John 3.16. And so if you get in a discussion about John 3.5, it's almost like a battle between John 3.5 and John 3.16. And this, you know, which one wins? When in reality, John 3 and 5 is true with John 3.16. It's all true. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. The Word of God is profitable. And so John 3 and 5 is true. John 3, 16, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 11, Acts 16, Acts 17, Acts 18. It's, say it with me, it's all equally a part of the Bible, and it's all true. Just as Matthew 5 and verse 22 is true. Many will say, Lord, Lord. <laughs> and Jesus will say, who are you? Why could he not recognize them? Because they heard the word. They may have been knowledgeable of the word, but they didn't obey the word. And those that that hear the word and are not obedient to the word, Jesus called them a fool who would perish. Their house would perish. 
Now, I know these words are provocative, and I know for some it, they will find it highly offensive. And I, 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 I'm sorry that that is the case. However, I can't apologize for the Word of God. I, I'm telling you, I'm challenging you, I'm provoking you that potentially that what you've been told your whole life is wrong based upon the Scripture. Oh, it may be true based on Martin Luther. It may be true based on John Calvin. It may be true based on John Wesley. It may be true, you know, just name the religiously. What's your denomination? There is some holy personality that everybody defers to. What they say about the scripture is really true. And when that, that person says something that's not compatible with true, well, they had a greater understanding. We can't dismiss historical personalities and historical counsels because, because uh, you know, we think we're smarter. No, it's not about being smarter. If what they said is contrary to scripture, the scripture's right. It's really not, it's not even, not even humorous. Jesus said, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So why is it that your faith is empty? Why is it you don't have an overflowing life? Potentially it could be that someone that should have been preaching to you the Word of God and causing you to believe the Word of God and therefore experience the power and the promise and the blessing that the Word of God has available, you've been told, well, the Scripture don't really mean that. Or, that's not for today. That's just for special people. Um, and they'll mock and they'll, they, they will uh, add themselves to the choir of the unbelievers except for a few favored verses. But I say, let, let us believe the Word of God in the face of all the historical personalities, including modern personalities, who have, who have said things that are contrary to what the Bible says. And the Bible does not teach that we're saved by faith alone. The Bible has a lesson you can read what Jesus said. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Yet, people will say, well, it doesn't really mean that. Okay. People will say, well, baptism is simply an outward expression of an inward work. Can you give me a scripture for that? What about, because the scripture says that baptism in the name of Jesus, washes away our sins. That is what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that we should repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. The Bible does say that. But you will hear it like parrots on a, on a high wire. Uh, baptism is an outward expression of an inward work, an outward expression of an inward work, an outward expression of an inward work. But the scripture says that baptism saves us. John 3, Jesus says, except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit, they cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. That's what the scripture says. But 
Baptism, an outward expression of an inward work. Outward expression of an inward work. And people hear that so much, they think that's in the Bible. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us Jesus Christ himself insisted on his personal baptism. Why? He said that righteousness might be fulfilled. And when Jesus got baptized, was it simply an outward expression of an inward work? What happened? Jesus went down into the water. He came up out of the water. And there came a sound from heaven. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descended on him like a dove. It looks like it was more than an outward expression of an inward work for Jesus. And I suggest to you that baptism is more than an outward expression of an inward work. Because that's what the Bible demonstrates and that's what the Bible says. If you've made it this far, congratulations. Jesus said, He that believeth on me as the Scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And I know that if people would just quit listening to the voices and open up their Bible, there will be some controversy because tradition has put itself in a position to essentially say what the Bible says, it doesn't really mean. But I say to you, the Bible is true. It is divinely inspired. And you can find blessing and overflowing joy when you will believe in Jesus like the Scripture says. Yes, I am open for debate. I would be willing to publicly debate someone using Scripture alone to go over these things. My, my purpose isn't to, to be provocative or controversial. But truth by its very nature is offensive if you don't believe the truth, right? Just like a lie is provocative and offensive if, if, uh, if you're the one that believes the lie, right? Amen. Well, lesson number six about Jesus. Jesus' words, Jesus' teachings are valid and powerful today. He said... If you hear his word and don't do it, he's not going to know who you are. Your house will not stand. Jesus said, he that, he that uh, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those that do the will of my Father. You want to be saved? You need to have a public profession. You need to have a personal profession. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ. But faith in Jesus that is not obedient to his word, his teaching, will not save you. Faith alone is not scriptural. Faith, everything, everything we do, whatsoever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Do it in faith. If you go to church, do it in faith. If you go to work, do it in faith. If you raise your children, do it in faith. When you pray, do it in faith. Everything we do is based on faith, but faith that is ignoring or disobedient to Scripture is going to bring less than desirable results. Jesus said, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. For you must 
do the will of God. And how do we know the will of God? Not on the opinions of men, not on the traditions of churches, but what does the Bible say? And what the Bible says is a faith in Jesus that will bring us to an overflowing life. Amen. Well, I hope that this was a blessing to you today. I do these on Sunday morning, and I have places to go and people to see. I pray that you have a blessed day. I pray this was a blessing to you. I pray that you would share this. You never know. Someone will see this, that this could be the catalyst to bring them into a life of faith that produces joy and deliverance and healing. And ultimately, what's the goal? Salvation. Salvation was so important to God that that God manifested himself in the flesh and shed that righteous blood to redeem our soul from a hell and from sin that we may have access through Jesus into a place of eternal life. That access, no doubt, is by faith. And that path is no doubt his word. Amen. Well, have a great day. God bless you. In closing, exactly 20 minutes over my desired length. My name is Scott Phillips, and I pastor Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church. I invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30 for prayer, donuts, and coffee, 10 o'clock Sunday school for children and adults, worship at 10.45. Midweek is Wednesdays at 7.30. Monday nights, we have an online Bible study, what you're seeing right now. It's at 6.30 on Monday. 6.30 on Tuesdays It are, is our end-time Bible study. It happens at the church on Tuesdays at 6.30. The church is in the corner of Spring Ridge Road and Highway 18, 3453 Spring Ridge Road. We are in the county. We have a Raymond address. We're about a mile from Clinton, three miles from Raymond, five miles from Byron, two miles from Jackson. So we're close to everybody. And uh, Edwards, Flora, uh, Bolton, uh, wherever you may live, everyone is invited. If you live within driving distance, I encourage you to come and join us at Spring Ridge Church. Wonderful group of people. We have wonderful worship, prayer, music, fellowship, and love. Sometimes we have really good food, too. In fact, some of you may know us about our from our snow cone stand that's in the parking lot, Snow Cafe. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and I pray that you would believe in Jesus as the Scripture says. My name is Scott Phillips. I am blessed to pastor the group of people that call Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church their church home. If you need a church home, I invite you to come and worship with us. You might find a place to belong, to be loved, to be encouraged, to grow in your faith, and to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church is on the corner of Highway 18 and Spring Ridge Road, uh, about a mile from Clinton, about three miles from Raymond, four or five miles from Byron, a couple of miles from Jackson, in the crossroads of Hines County, Western Hines County. Our Sunday morning service begins at 9.30 with prayer, 10 o'clock Sunday school for children and adults, worship at 10.45, and our midweek service is on Wednesday nights. Yes, have a great, great week, and uh, if you 
were blessed by this, I encourage you, share it, comment, tell us where you're watching this from, and help us spread the word. That's our motivation. We want to be a blessing, and we hope it was a blessing to you today. God bless. My name is Scott Phillips. I am blessed to pastor 
the group of people that call Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church their church home. If you need a church home, I invite you to come and worship with us. You might find a place to belong, to be loved, to be encouraged, to grow in your faith, and to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church is on the corner of Highway 18 and Spring Ridge Road, uh, about a mile from Clinton, about three miles from Raymond, four or five miles from Byron, a couple of miles from Jackson, in the crossroads of Hines County, Western Hines County. Our Sunday morning service uh, begins at 9.30 with prayer, 10 o'clock Sunday school for children and adults, worship at 10.45, and our midweek service is on Wednesday nights. Yes, have a great, great week. And um, if you were blessed by this, I encourage you, share it, comment, tell us where you're watching this from, and help us spread the word. That's our motivation. We want to be a blessing, and we hope it was a blessing to you today. God bless the lesson where we are talking about Jesus and specifically today we are going to talk about Jesus and his expectation of you according to his word. Our responsibility to hit the teachings of Jesus uh, that we find in scripture. You know, um, our intent is to provide an overview of the scripture uh, to the end that it would give you a context while you read your Bible to understand the overarching view of the biblical narrative. So while you're reading, you can kind of know kind of the bookends of what's going on. Also, it would uh, motivate you, inspire you to actually open up your Bible regularly, daily, just to know more about Scripture. Because Scripture and its um, truth is intricately connected to our uh, access, our privilege, our blessing that comes directly from God. No doubt God speaks to people, He leads people, He protects people that are ignorant of the Scripture uh, because uh, we all start out ignorant, unaware. But the Lord does not uh, intend or desire that we would stay ignorant. Uh, the Scripture says that at one time God winked at ignorance, but now commandeth all men to repent. So ignorance only is... a an excuse for so long. At some point, we must um, take responsibility for our knowledge. And one of the ways we do that is to make ourselves uh, a student of the Word, to, to addict ourselves to the study of the Word of God. You can build a habit. You can build an addiction to anything. Uh, we could obviously point out to, to drugs or, or alcohol or cigarettes as addictions, but we have the ability to addict ourselves to all kinds of things. People addict themselves to watching birds or, or uh, looking at flowers or uh, going to car show. I mean, literally, you can develop in yourself an appetite for all manner of things, sports, you know, just name it. 
And what I'm saying is if you want to, you can cause yourself to have a hunger, a desire to know more, to understand more, to have a greater vision of Scripture. That's our intent. That's right. Uh, I have no truth save the truth that is in the Scripture. I give little value outside of historical context to councils, creeds, confessions, and what some people call historical Christianity that often has veered from Scripture and in instances in direct opposition to Scripture. And oftentimes the value is only in those who have chosen to put value in those things. Oftentimes when I hear people speak of historical Christianity, you must be aware of the fact that is not not all-inclusive for anyone. They have their particular preferences, and they reject much of historical Christianity, which a lot of that is wrapped up in Catholicism. And most of your evangelical Christians recognize the errors and the excesses that were found in much of historical Christianity. So what can you believe? What can you trust? The scripture. Far above the voices and the opinions and uh, the enunciations of religious people that comes hundreds and even thousands of years after Jesus Christ and his apostles. I'm going to go to the source. The Bible says the church is built upon the, uh, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The scripture Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And so I believe if a person's going to understand truth as God intended, it's going to be rooted in this. And you may look outside of this and appreciate the opinions of others, but the challenge is so oftentimes people book in the scripture with other books, other opinions. And so, so often what happens is they read the Bible through the other books and the opinions uh, without really understanding the simplicity that is in the Word of God given to us by Jesus Christ, His apostles, and even the Old Testament prophets. So as I have said, let God be true and every man a liar. We live in a day, and it's been true for a long time, that people uh, say they believe in Jesus, but they are ignorant, unaware, or have been taught to discount and disbelieve the words of Jesus and his hand-chosen apostles. And I believe everyone should reject that view of Christianity. Jesus is the truth, and the truth has been recorded for us by those God has chosen. Yes, so it is with that intent we talk about the Scripture. So uh, today, I would like to, uh, I want to I start out by reading a few verses of Jesus saying, John chapter 7 and verse 38, Jesus says, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So uh, the key is the catalyst for a supernatural overflow of the Spirit is faith in Jesus as the scripture hath said, faith in Jesus based upon the proclamations, the explanations, and the uh, 
the the light the Word of God gives us about Jesus. Uh, there are all kinds of Jesuses. Uh, the, the Bible talks about other Christ, false Christ, uh, other uh, Jesuses, uh, and and that's the challenge. You know, there are some that believe that Jesus is an angel. Some believe Jesus is simply a a spirit and not flesh and blood. Some people believe that that Jesus was just a man. I actually read something the other day. Someone was saying that they don't they don't worship Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of insanity that people proclaim about Jesus, and it's it's not rooted in Scripture. It's rooted in all kinds of uh, visions and dreams and and uh, ideas and opinions and. Uh, all the kinds of things that didn't read in Scripture. And Jesus said, He that believeth on me as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And the reason why a lot of people that believe in Jesus don't have an overflowing uh, spiritual life is because the faith they have is not rooted in Scripture. So if you find yourself defined by that, I believe in Jesus but you have an empty, frustrated, uh, dead life of faith, it could be that what you believe about Jesus is an error or you are just ignorant of what Jesus taught and what his word says given to us through his apostles, those who he uh, foreordained and those particular writings that God through his providence caused to be a part of the Bible uh, that we uh, we embrace, that we love. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So f- when I say faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus is more than a mental idea. It's a soul obsession uh, that propels us to live a life of obedience. I'm going to say that again. Faith in Jesus is more than a mental idea. It is a soul obsession that empowers us, that motivates us to walk in obedient faith of what the Bible says. So, if I think with that in mind, I, you know, I have heard people, I've heard pastors and preachers uh, talk about how this scripture bothers them. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, "Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord," shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So there's a lot of people that say, Lord, they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if you will, but they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because because they don't do the will of the Father. So the only way that you get into heaven is to to recognize Jesus as Lord and you do the will of God. That's the only way you get into heaven. That's what the scripture says, not what I say. You may not have ever heard that before. I wonder why. Not everyone that saith unto me, this is Jesus, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You want to go to heaven? You need to recognize Jesus as Lord, but you also must have an understanding. You must do the will of God. 
Oh, so so let's keep reading verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Jesus says, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So here are people that have a profession of faith that have done things in the name of Jesus. But Jesus, when they come, will not recognize them because they were workers of iniquity. So here's the context. Jesus says, it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord, you must do the will of your Father. Jesus said, I want to be sure you put this in your mind, you got to believe on Jesus as the scripture says. And Jesus said in the word of God that many will come and say, Lord, we've prophesied, we've cast out devils, we've done many wonderful works. And he'll profess unto them, I never knew you. I don't recognize you. Who are you? Because their deeds did not match their profession. So keep reading. Uh, verse 24 Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. I want you to recognize the... My light went out. It's what happens to a lot of people. <laughs> the light goes out. Jesus is... He's, he's, he's narrowing down... An understanding. He says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And then the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. Great was the fall of it. So Jesus gives us a paradox, a paradigm, a, a compare and contrast here at the end of his teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. He goes through and tells you how to live. You know, don't, uh, if someone curses you, bless them. If someone does you wrong, pray for them. If someone smites you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone asks you to do something, uh, go one mile, go the second mile. If somebody takes you to court and sues you for your coat, give them your cloak also. Jesus goes through and basically teaches you can't live and act and talk and, and treat other people the way you would naturally. You must live at a higher level, and the higher level is a humble submission and obedience to, the, to a higher law. Pray for them. Bless them. Help them. Right? That's what Jesus teaches. And Jesus gets down to the end of his teaching and says... Many are going to come to, to, to me and say, Lord, Lord, and they're not going to gain access. Why? Because they did not do the will of God. What's the will of God? 
Jesus says, those that know my word, hear my word, and do it are wise. They will survive the storms and their house will stand because their life, their house was built upon a rock. What's the rock? Christ. Specifically, the molecular uh, uh, DNA of the rock is found in the Word. (laughs) The Word is the rock. The rock is Jesus. And if you want to get real down nitty-gritty into the DNA of your faith, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Because what you do has the power to cause you to stand when the things you say will leave you in the sand. Jesus said, there will be many come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. And Jesus will say, who are you? (laughs) I don't know you. Why? Because of their iniquity. What is iniquity? Knowing the word of God and for whatever reason, not doing the word of God. Have you ever heard that before? You won't gain the kingdom of God simply because you have a profession of faith. The only way you get to the kingdom of God is there is a profession of faith that is followed by a a, uh, doing the will of God. How do we know the will of God? What the word of God says. The word of God is the rock. As I said at the very beginning of this video, the scripture says that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. That's the foundation or the rock. And so how significant is the foundation? John in the book of Revelation sees the heaven is built upon 12 foundations and the name of the apostles is etched in those precious stones that is the foundation. You'll notice it does not say John Calvin, does not say John Wesley, does not say Martin Luther, does not say uh, uh, any of the popes. It doesn't say uh, Charles Taze Russell. It doesn't say uh, Scott Phillips. Name your pastor, name your parent, name your grandparent, name yourself. It's not in there. So how do we know how to be sure that our house will stand. You must hear the word of God, be aware of the word of God, and do the word of God. Otherwise, your house will fall and you will not gain admittance to heaven based on what Jesus said. Jesus said it. Now, now here's the thing. This this is probably one of the most... in. As a pastor, as a lover of Jesus Christ, one of the things that breaks my heart, I have heard it said in in my ears, I have heard Christians say that what Jesus said doesn't apply to Christians today. I'm, I'm not pulling your leg. And, and the truth of it is, is there are people that say things that are in direct contradiction to what Jesus said. There are people that say that we're saved by faith alone. When Jesus said, it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord, you must do the will of God with your faith 
to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, there will be many people that have a profession of faith. Lord, Lord. They, they even have a, a life that they, 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 they cast out devils. They prophesied. They did great things in Jesus. But Jesus didn't recognize them because they were workers of iniquity. What is iniquity? Doing what comes natural. Doing all the things Jesus taught differently in Matthew 5-7. through 7. But the, the bulk of evangelical Christianity believes they've been taught you're saved by faith alone when that is not what the Bible teaches and that doctrine is in, in the direct contradiction to what Jesus said. It takes more than faith. Yes, faith is the foundation of anything. The, the scripture says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. you got to have faith. It is, it's the doorway into the kingdom of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith. Any man cometh to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so that's the breakdown. That's the lie that says all you got to do is say, Lord, Lord, and you're good. And Jesus said not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There will be many that had a knowledge of Jesus, that knew what Jesus said, but they have been lied to, to say all they had to do is believe. When Jesus said, you got to do more than believe. It just, how, how could people believe that all it takes is faith when Jesus said it takes more than faith? There, there was a controversy. This controversy was in the scripture as well. You know, I was having a conversation with a, a young Bible school student, and uh, he was washing my windows. I was a pastor, and uh, we had some big windows in the front of the church, and he was washing the windows. And uh, so I was talking to him. He said, well, I'm writing a paper. I said, oh, what, what are you writing the paper about? And he said, I'm writing a paper on salvation by faith alone. And I said to him, Oh, I said, I have a challenge for you. In fact, I'm going to make a statement that's going to be quite provocative. I said, you cannot find one scripture in the Bible that has those two words together in a scripture, faith alone. And he kind of stopped washing windows. What do you mean? I'm saying that faith alone is a false doctrine because it's not in the scripture. In fact, you can't find one scripture where the word faith and alone are together. And he, this is a Bible school student. He's been studying scripture and I have caused him to stop washing the windows. I said, well, wait a minute, let me check this. So I pull out my phone and I pull up my Bible app and I uh, type in the words faith alone and I hit the search button and I look at it, I said oh I'm sorry I was wrong there is one scripture that does say that does have the word faith and alone in it I was wrong there is one scripture but the context of that one scripture affirms what I'm telling you let's see if we can
I'll put it in there. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And that, my friends, if we were not brainwashed and uh, those that we trust have been brainwashed to uh, echo errors of past generations, historical Christianity that have taught people from Martin Luther to today in seminaries, Bible school students, professors, doctorates, academians, and theology will with great fervor say, we're saved by faith alone. When the scripture says, faith without works is dead, being alone. So how do we get to this point where people of great love for Jesus, people of great study of his scripture, will say things that are in direct contradiction to scripture? How did this happen? Tradition. 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 Yeah. Tradition. Tradition. It's from the fiddler on the roof. Uh, that may be a little dated for you. Tradition. Tradition is hallowed above the scripture. Yes. I was in a discussion just this past week, and we were reading Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, Philip in Samaria, Philip not Philip. Uh, Philip is in the wilderness and he meets the Ethiopian eunuch and they read about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. The Ethiopian eunuch recognizes, hey, this is Jesus. And I believe, based on the context, he understood, I need to be baptized. And so they, they, they're they in the wilderness. There's water. Was it a miracle water? Was it God created water? Or was it an oasis? The Bible says they went down into the water. They came up out of the water. Someone had commentary in their scripture from John Wesley that said, this does not mean they were immersed. <laughs> Why would he say that? Because the tradition, he was coming from an Anglican or an Episcopal, I'm sorry, Episcopal, well, it is Anglican, an Anglican, uh, which is essentially the Catholic Church in England uh, with, without Rome, uh, they basically kept most of Catholicism in place except the Pope. And uh, uh, Wesley was an Anglican priest, and he did a lot of great things. I appreciate so much of what he believes. I agree with John Wesley on many things, but he's wrong in this. Why is he wrong? Because in the commentary of the Scripture, he says that what you just read doesn't mean what you just read. And that's my problem with study Bibles is oftentimes people will be reading their Bible and they'll read something in the commentary and say, well, what you just read doesn't really mean what you what, what it said. And and I've, I, I found one, I found one commentary. Uh, the, the words of scripture were in black and the commentator's commentary was in red letter. And I read where the scripture says something and like, like this much scripture, and then there was this much commentary where the commentator is saying, well, what the scripture says isn't really what it means. And that's the challenge. Is a lot of people have read the scripture, and they've been told by their pastors and their bishops and, and their parents, 
well, the scripture doesn't really mean that, or Jesus and what he said isn't relevant for today, or the apostles, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, just just all you can. I, I've heard people say, well, only thing you can do is just believe a part of what Paul wrote, or only read what believe what Paul wrote. Paul was only what Paul wrote was 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 just just for the Gentiles, and what Peter and everybody else wrote was just for the Jews. It's crazy because. Paul preached the same message, practiced the same uh, methods of salvation. He preached the same message of Peter, James, and John. He preached the same things. But, but we've reached a point that people's religious tradition is not compatible with the biblical text. So they do all types of mental contortions so that a person reads the Bible and then they're taught by people that should be training them and helping them have faith in the Word of God. They are being taught, well, you don't believe that scripture, but this scripture is great. For instance, and I'm about done, uh, my goal today was 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm a little over. John 3 is one of my favorite chapters. In fact, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible is John 3.16, and I love it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Tim Tebow put it on, on the black strips underneath his eyes. It's awesome. You read, watch the video. I think he threw for 316 yards, and it was, it was awesome, right? I believe John 3.16. It is a wonderful truth, but John 3.16 is not more true than John 3.17 or John 3.14, John 3.15. It's not more true than John 3 and 5 or John 3.3 or John 3.7. All of John is true. But some people's theology is so narrow, all they can believe is John 3.16. And so if you get in a discussion about John 3.5, it's almost like a battle between John 3.5 and John 3.16 and this, you know, which one wins? When in reality, John 3 and 5 is true with John 3.16. It's all true. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. The Word of God is profitable. And so John 3 and 5 is true. John 3, 16, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 11, Acts 16, Acts 17, Acts 18. It's, say it with me, it's all equally a part of the Bible, and it's all true. Just as Matthew 5 and verse 22 is true. Many will say, Lord, Lord. <laughs> and Jesus will say, who are you? Why could he not recognize them? Because they heard the word. They may have been knowledgeable of the word, but they didn't obey the word. And those that that hear the word and are not obedient to the word, Jesus called them a fool who would perish. Their house would perish. Now, I know these words are provocative 
and I know for some it, they will find it highly offensive. And I, 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 I'm sorry that that is the case. However, I can't apologize for the Word of God. I, I'm telling you, I'm challenging you, I'm provoking you that potentially that what you've been told your whole life is wrong based upon the Scripture. Oh, it may be true based on Martin Luther. It may be true based on John Calvin. It may be true based on John Wesley. It may be true, you know, just name the religiously. What's your denomination? There is some holy personality that everybody defers to. What they say about the scripture is really true. And when that, that person says something that's not compatible with true, well, they had a greater understanding. We can't dismiss historical personalities and historical counsels because, because uh, you know, we think we're smarter. No, it's not about being smarter. If what they said is contrary to scripture, the scripture's right. It's really not, it's not even, not even humorous. Jesus said, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So why is it that your faith is empty? Why is it you don't have an overflowing life? Potentially it could be that someone that should have been preaching to you the Word of God and causing you to believe the Word of God and therefore experience the power and the promise and the blessing that the Word of God has available, you've been told, well, the Scripture don't really mean that. Or, that's not for today. That's just for special people. Um, and they'll mock and they'll, they, they will uh, add themselves to the choir of the unbelievers except for a few favored verses. But I say, let, let us believe the Word of God in the face of all the historical personalities, including modern personalities, who have, who have said things that are contrary to what the Bible says. And the Bible does not teach that we're saved by faith alone. The Bible has a lesson you can read what Jesus said. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Yet, people will say, well, it doesn't really mean that. Okay. People will say, well, baptism is simply an outward expression of an inward work. Can you give me a scripture for that? What about, because the scripture says that baptism in the name of Jesus, washes away our sins. That is what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that we should repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. The Bible does say that. But you will hear it like parrots on a, on a high wire. Uh, baptism is an outward expression of an inward work, an outward expression of an inward work, an outward expression of an inward work. But the scripture says that baptism saves us. John 3, Jesus says, except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit, they cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. That's what the scripture says. But baptism, an outward expression of an inward work. 
outward expression of inward work. And people hear that so much, they think that's in the Bible. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us Jesus Christ himself insisted on his personal baptism. Why? He said that righteousness might be fulfilled. And when Jesus got baptized, was it simply an outward expression of an inward work? What happened? Jesus went down into the water. He came up out of the water. And there came a sound from heaven. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descended on him like a dove. It looks like it was more than an outward expression of an inward work for Jesus. And I suggest to you that baptism is more than an outward expression of an inward work because that's what the Bible demonstrates and that's what the Bible says. If you've made it this far, congratulations. Jesus said, He that believeth on me as the Scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And I know that if people would just quit listening to the voices and open up their Bible, there will be some controversy because tradition has put itself in a position to essentially say what the Bible says, it doesn't really mean. But I say to you, the Bible is true. It is divinely inspired. And you can find blessing and overflowing joy when you will believe in Jesus like the Scripture says. Yes, I am open for debate. I would be willing to publicly debate someone using Scripture alone to go over these things. My, my purpose isn't to, to be provocative or controversial. But truth by its very nature is offensive if you don't believe the truth, right? Just like a lie is provocative and offensive if, if, uh, if you're the one that believes the lie, right? Amen. Well, lesson number six about Jesus. Jesus' words, Jesus' teachings are valid and powerful today. He said... If you hear his word and don't do it, he's not going to know who you are. Your house will not stand. Jesus said, he that, he that uh, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those that do the will of my Father. You want to be saved? You need to have a public profession. You need to have a personal profession. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ. But faith in Jesus that is not obedient to his word, his teaching, will not save you. Faith alone is not scriptural. Faith, everything, everything we do, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Do it in faith. If you go to church, do it in faith. If you go to work, do it in faith. If you raise your children, do it in faith. When you pray, do it in faith. Everything we do is based on faith, but faith that is ignoring or disobedient to Scripture is going to bring less than desirable results. Jesus said, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. For you must 
do the will of God. And how do we know the will of God? Not on the opinions of men, not on the traditions of churches, but what does the Bible say? And what the Bible says is a faith in Jesus that will bring us to an overflowing life. Amen. Well, I hope that this was a blessing to you today. I do these on Sunday morning, and I have places to go and people to see. I pray that you have a blessed day. I pray this was a blessing to you. I pray that you would share this. You never know. Someone will see this, that this could be the catalyst to bring them into a life of faith that produces joy and deliverance and healing. And ultimately, what's the goal? Salvation. Salvation was so important to God that that God manifested himself in the flesh and shed that righteous blood to redeem our soul from a hell and from sin that we may have access through Jesus into a place of eternal life. That access, no doubt, is by faith. And that path is no doubt his word. Amen. Well, have a great day. God bless you. In closing, exactly 20 minutes over my desired length. My name is Scott Phillips, and I pastor Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church. I invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30 for prayer, donuts, and coffee, 10 o'clock Sunday school for children and adults, worship at 10.45. Midweek is Wednesdays at 7.30. Monday nights, we have an online Bible study, what you're seeing right now. It's at 6.30 on Monday. 6.30 on Tuesdays It are, is our end-time Bible study. It happens at the church on Tuesdays at 6.30. The church is in the corner of Spring Ridge Road and Highway 18, 3453 Spring Ridge Road. We are in the county. We have a Raymond address. We're about a mile from Clinton, three miles from Raymond, five miles from Byron, two miles from Jackson. So we're close to everybody. And uh, Edwards, Flora, uh, Bolton, uh, wherever you may live, everyone is invited. If you live within driving distance, I encourage you to come and join us at Spring Ridge Church. Wonderful group of people. We have wonderful worship, prayer, music, fellowship, and love. Sometimes we have really good food, too. In fact, some of you may know us about our from our snow cone stand that's in the parking lot, Snow Cafe. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and I pray that you would believe in Jesus as the Scripture says. My name is Scott Phillips. I am blessed to pastor the group of people that call Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church their church home. If you need a church home, I invite you to come and worship with us. You might find a place to belong, to be loved, to be encouraged, to grow in your faith, and to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church is on the corner of Highway 18 and Spring Ridge Road, uh, about a mile from Clinton, about three miles from Raymond, four or five miles from Byron, a couple of miles from Jackson, in the crossroads of Hines County, western Hines County. Our Sunday morning service begins at 9.30 with prayer, 10 o'clock Sunday school for children and adults, worship at 10.45, and our midweek service is on Wednesday nights. Yes, have a great, great week.
And uh, if you were blessed by this, I encourage you, share it, comment, tell us where you're watching this from, and help us spread the word. That's our motivation. We want to be a blessing, and we hope it was a blessing to you today. God bless. So